People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode, Adriel. Hi, Em. How are you feeling Monday morning? It's uh, it's definitely a Monday. <laughs> I know. But we are here. There's kind of a lot to get into, honestly. Yeah, there is. I'm excited. So as you guys know, every week we're highlighting a Black-owned business. And this week is called Flat 15. It was actually founded in London. They're basically these really beautiful little silk kind of patterned handbags. They're made with recycled fabric scraps. And as always, I'll put all the information in the description. But I love these because they're very elegant looking. It's the type of bag where you can take it for a night out, a day out. I don't know. They're very on trend right now. So I think you guys will like that one. Okay, Jewel, shall we? I think we shall. Let's start out with a little bit of an A-Rod and J-Lo update because I feel like we kind of left everyone hanging, I guess it was two weeks ago, in the midst of all those rumors. Then they came to TMZ, said that they were working things through, and I'm sure you guys all saw the pictures of them in the Dominican Republic where there's a lot of PDA, they're kissing on the balcony. She, for anybody who doesn't know, is filming Shotgun Wedding down there right now, and so A-Rod flew down to be with her. You could tell this was very much a strategic paparazzi shot. Oh, it must have been. I mean, this seemed like damage control to me. Yeah, it it has to be. I mean, they have to know how that looks too. It's a very, very weird situation. Yeah, it's like clearly something's going on that is not being outwardly said. And it's almost as if we're all operating, pretending we don't know anything about the Madison thing. Again, not for one second saying that that is the cause of all this. It could have just been the tip of the iceberg. It could have just been the only thing we're seeing. But it's like, that does play some sort of a role somewhere. I think it has to. I have to say the thing that I'm most surprised about is that there's nothing else that's come out about anybody else. Like no other women, no other things that he's talking about. Like it's it's seemingly just the Madison thing to the public, right? Yeah. I mean, there's always been a little bit of kind of rumors here and there, but that's the only one that has been that official. And Remember what we continually said? It's not so much about what actually happened with him and Madison. It's exactly to your point, actually, the fact that it was made public. Because I think if they do have some sort of a situation, she's down with anything happening as long as it's under NDA and nobody's ever going to know about it. The fact that this was brought up in such a messy light, there's just no way that she's okay with that. Yeah, it's too messy. I, I don't know anybody that would be okay with that. 
Right. And especially if you're Jennifer Lopez, you view yourself in such a high regard. And I think I said it last week or a few weeks ago, I think they both view themselves as businesses. Like really every single day they look at how they are portrayed to the world kind of in terms of their stock. And these last few weeks for both of them have not been so good. And I know the counter argument is kind of like, well, what did JLo do in it? It's, it's just by association. He's the one in the wrong. It's not that she did anything wrong. It's just that in her eyes, even being associated with this, I would imagine is a negative. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were such a unit. So obviously, even if she's done nothing wrong, which she hasn't, as we've seen, it's still like she's part of a unit and she doesn't want that unit to be facing embarrassment, not just single-handed embarrassment. Yeah, this is obviously very different. But I saw last week after the Kardashian bonus show when we were saying something about Chloe and Tristan, and I guess we had made a comment saying that Chloe feels embarrassed. And we got an inbox from someone saying like, don't you guys think, a really kind one, just like a curious one saying, you know, don't you guys think that the narrative should be shifted that the woman or whoever the person was that was cheated on shouldn't necessarily be embarrassed. They didn't do anything. And in theory, I totally agree with that. Of course, you have no reason to feel shame or embarrassment, but it's just natural too, of course, especially when you're the one that is choosing that partner, speaking of them in such a high regard. I do think even if you know you're not the one at fault, there is that natural human emotion of embarrassment that just arises. I think embarrassment is also probably the thing that you have the least control over in terms of your own feelings. Oh, I say that all the time. It is the most disorienting emotion. You can't control when it's going to come on and you can't control how it's going to take you over. I think there's a lot of things that you can kind of talk yourself out of or have other people talk you out of. Embarrassment is just not one of those things. And eventually it does pass, but it's something that has to pass on its own. And like, that's why that's the whole joke about like, when you're falling asleep at night and you remember something you did in sixth grade. Like no one else remembers that. It's your own internal embarrassment, but it does take a lot to let that go. And there's a a real lack of rationale behind that emotion. Oh yeah, it is a powerful one. And I'm sure, as you said that, people listening go back to their one thing from eighth grade or whatever it was that they can't stop thinking about because we've all been there. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it's all of middle school. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot more that's going to come out. Not necessarily bad. I just think this is going to be a little bit of a of a roller coaster. I think so too. Moving on to Justin Bieber's new album, Justice. Julie, how you doing over there? I don't know if I can like rationally talk about this. That was your first thing that you said to me right after you listened for the first time. That I was excited to talk about it or that I was nervous to talk about it? You were nervous to talk about it. You were like, I just don't know how I'm going to be able to remain calm. And I was like, it's okay. Like As long as you keep some sort of chill, I think people know that this is to be expected. I, see, the some sort of chill is the thing that I'm having the problem with. <laughs> Would you like to speak a little bit to your thoughts on the album, some specific songs? We can get it to Tiny Desk. We can get it to the music video. I'm going to really leave this one to you to at least start off and we can go from there. Okay. The first thing I would love to start off with was the Tiny Desk performance because I feel like that really set the scene for the whole album. Don't you think? I think that's a great way to wean us in. So Tiny Desk comes out before the album drops and he premieres Peaches on Tiny Desk. And I think Peaches was the perfect song to go into the album because it got everyone so excited. Like it was so good on Tiny Desk, but he did a very slowed down version of it. So when the music video premieres at midnight on Thursday night going into Friday when he's going to release the album, it's a very sped up like pop version of it. And I just was like, this song is going to be it. This is the song that Justin was looking for. This is what Yummy was supposed to be like. This is the song that's going to put him back in a place where he's 
really, really on top of the charts again. And it 100% did that. And then the album came out and it just felt like to me, and I don't know how you feel because I don't know if you listened to Changes or cared that much about it, but it felt like a very much of a redemption album. Whereas like, I don't think Changes was a bad album necessarily, but I do think that it just didn't pan out the way that he had expected to. And I think that starting off with Yummy really like set the whole tone for the album in a very negative way. Whereas with Peaches here, it set the tone for the album in a very positive way. So everybody went into it with really like positive, good vibes and expectations. And I think the album as a whole, just every single song carried through. I am so, so happy for him and excited for him. And I just think that it's amazing to see him back in a place where he is the topic of conversation in terms of music and not just his relationship, not just his style, not sh- just the stuff that he's going through. Like it really is about his album now. And I think that is so amazing for him. I think you're right. I think you're actually right about that this was more this was more the redemption album. Yeah. I, there's something about Peaches where it's so, so nice to see him having fun again. Like he's obviously put out music videos and a lot of the music videos he's put out recently have been really like plot storyline music videos, which aren't my favorite type of music video. Like I I much prefer just a fun performance to a storyline. So to see him do that in Peaches, I was like, this is exactly what I want for him. Like, and I think it's what he wants for himself too, because I think he seems significantly happier in this music video than I've seen him in any other one. Well, when we were watching it for your like 8 millionth time together, and I asked you in the moment, do you think he looks hotter in Popstar or this? And you, without even a second of hesitation, said this. I mean, it's very comparable to Popstar, except it's his own song. So I think he's happier to be in that role. And I think that something with Justin, as with most people, is that when he is happier and healthier, it just shows so much. Yes, absolutely. And it's not that it's unique to him. I just think that because he's been in the public eye for so long, there's so many different periods that he has gone through that you can directly point to when making a comparison. And so it's nice to look at this, not just as an album, not just as a song, but as a period of time and a period in his life. And of course, we don't know everything that goes on, but just to feel this sense of like, okay, this is a really good one. This is one where he is really thriving. And I think just who doesn't want that for somebody else, even if you're not a fan of his music? A hundred million percent. I mean, going back to Yummy for a second, like when you watch, and I know we've spoken about this before, but when you watch the behind the scenes of the shoot of that, and he is just so miserable, it's really hard to enjoy something that's supposed to be a fun, upbeat song when you're looking at this kid who first of all, doesn't really look well. You can tell he's sick. You can tell there's something wrong. And he's just breaking down behind the scenes. And it's like, do you want to be here? Like, do you want to be doing this? Does this feel forced? Does this feel like something that's making you happy? And when you genuinely enjoy someone's music and enjoy them as a person and are rooting for them, it's hard to enjoy that when they put that out. But with this album, it felt so different and felt so enjoyable. And I think that it really, for the first time, felt like he was actually in a place where he wanted to be making music again and not in a place where he thought he wanted to be making music again. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is a consistent for so many different people across, not just artists, but for you know anybody in the creative field. Because as the consumer, you are so much more excited, so much more enthusiastic, and I guess at the very least, so much less guilty about hearing that person's art and being excited for it when you can tell that they genuinely wanted to put it out. It doesn't feel good to 
feel like it's almost not against their will. That's that's far too strong of a term specifically for this, but when it feels like it was really miserable. This you can, in my opinion at least, when I'm listening to this, when I'm watching the music videos, when I'm watching his performances, it feels like he's genuinely so excited to be exactly where he is. So that then gives you as the listener, as the viewer, whatever it is, permission to be that excited. Also, I think with this is that Something that happens with a lot of artists I find that have grown up in the music industry, whereas like they're put out, this is now Justin's sixth studio album where they've put out a lot of music. They've gone through a couple of different eras and a couple of changes and stylistic changes and and music changes. Like I find that with the more albums they put out, it is constantly their work being judged against their past work and it makes it increasingly more difficult to put music out because the reception is so much harder. I mean, obviously you have the internet, which everyone's so vocal and they feed off of each other's opinion. So you're getting more negative reception than you ever would in the past because everyone is seeing everybody else. But also like, it's really hard to be consistent and make consistently great music or make music that people are still excited about this many years later. So for him to still be able to do that and for him to be able to capture the audience the way he did with this, I mean, you can't scroll TikTok now without it being a video. Whether it's somebody singing Peaches, somebody doing a uh, dance with Peaches, somebody ranking their favorite songs on the album, like you can't scroll through TikTok without seeing that right now. So to be able to have that power with your sixth studio album being put out is, I think, something that every single artist is still chasing. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, you know, that's the other thing, though. It is so hard for me now. I really, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I would imagine you do as well. It's not that I use TikTok as a barometer for what good music is. Clearly, there are so many songs that are phenomenal songs. They're just not good for TikTok sounds. However, the association in my mind has become so strong now where I'm almost like anxiously anticipating to see how much I'm going to see this on TikTok. So when I hear a song and I can tell, okay, this has a vibe. And then as I'm scrolling through and I see more and more, it's almost like I don't I don't know what the correlation is in my mind, but it's so present. I think of things, that's like one of my first thoughts when I hear a song for the first time. And so then to see how prominent it's become, validating is the wrong word, but I'm like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, it's validating for the artist, but it also is a little bit validating for yourself. Like when you're listening through an album, and I know you don't typically do this, but let's say you're doing like the midnight release or the next morning and you're going to do your own listen through before you see anything on the internet and you pick your favorite songs and you say what you think is going to be a hit and what you really like. There is a sense of validation when you're scrolling through TikTok or Twitter and you're seeing people talk about the exact same things. And not that you necessarily would have changed your mind, but I think it does make you be like, I liked it. Everyone else liked it. Now I keep hearing it and I like it so much more. It's kind of like when you hear a song and then it's constantly on the radio, like it gets in your head and it's constantly there. So you like that song more. You're more willing to sing it. You're more willing to get it stuck in your head. You're more willing to go and stream it in your own time because you can't get it out of your head. And I think a lot of people think that when you listen to a song on the radio or you listen to a song on TikTok, it then becomes overplayed or old and you don't like it that much. A song is a hit for a reason. And I think that when you listen to music like that and you hear it constantly and you hear a lot of people talking about it, there is a reason for that to happen and it doesn't happen with every song. So yeah, you can feel validated in the fact that you liked a song and then other people picked up on it too. For sure, for sure. And like like you said, this has been going on for years in terms of Twitter and there was that sense while scrolling, but they're just for me at least is something different when it's almost like a visual scroll of Twitter right after an album comes out because you're watching people in their rooms and then there's just this 
greatened and heightened sense of camaraderie, which again, I love, you love. That's something we talk about all the time. I just, I fucking loved this album. Like I would never try to compete with the way that you feel about it just because it's, you can't, but I really loved this one. For me to sit through and listen to an entire album, like unprompted and not asked by you is kind of rare. And I did this with no hesitation. It's incredibly rare. And by the way, like, I'm not trying to gatekeep Justin. I think that when you really like an artist, if you want like the most maximum amount of success for that artist, and obviously Justin doesn't need me, like I'm just saying in general with any artist, like if you want the most maximum success for that artist, I never understood the concept of like, only I can listen to them or only I can be a big fan of them. Like if you love them, share them with them. The best thing that you can do for somebody in your own life is send them a song and be like, I want you to listen to the song. Oh, <laughs> Wait, listen, the gatekeeping is not at all anything by you. I just want to make it very clear that I recognize this has been something since your childhood. So there's no way we could like a song the same amount. There's just no way that I could mimic that same feeling that you have inside because it was so different. You like grew up with this person so close to you, whereas I was never that level of a fan. Yeah, so I no, just think it's, it's a different, it's a different in the way that you appreciate things. And that's, I say you because you're just a representation of a much larger group of people. There's a lot of people exactly like you. And so I just feel like whoever the artist is, when you have that soft spot for them, or you have that since they were so young and you've really been there, you were at his first concert, you know, it just feels different. And I know people that feel that way about so many different artists. That's how I feel with Leah and Taylor Swift. It's just different. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Anything else that you would like to mention about this? I don't think so. I just, I hope there's a couple more music videos that come out with this. There has to be. I hope so. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So next thing we want to talk about is Saweetie and Quavo breaking up after two years together. I'm sure you've all heard about this, obviously. However, if you're on Twitter and if you're on TikTok, I'm sure you were really made aware of this because I think it was highlighted so much on those apps based on the kind of savagery with which she communicated, don't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this is also a pretty public couple that people were talking about a lot and rooting for over the years. So whenever something is public like this comes out, it's going to be all over the place. Okay. So basically what happened was she starts tweeting saying, I'm single. I've endured too much betrayal and hurt behind the scenes for a false narrative to be circulating that degrades my character. And 
as I'm sure most of you are aware, in a very kind of offset Cardi vibe, they also were known for very lavish gifts. And she tweeted and said, presents don't band-aid scars and the love isn't real when the intimacy is given to other women. Again, we're basically confirming what the rumors were that he had cheated. He tweeted and said, and I quote, I'd love for you and disappointed you did all that. You're not the woman I thought you were. I wish you nothing but the best. I know you want to make this into a show, so I'll play my part just this one time. I don't normally put my business out there, especially my personal life. I feel the need to address this so there are no false narratives. She quote tweeted that and wrote, just simply take care. So I think a lot of people at first were like, oh, they'll get back together. And then once they saw the way that she was really playing no games, it kind of solidified the split to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, if you catch someone cheating and then you decide to expose them for that and then they get mad that they were exposed, never get back together with that person. That's it's kind of like, how are you mad at me for this? Like you were the one in the wrong. It's such a typical situation that we see. Like, I'm sure it sucks to be exposed, but don't you think it sucks so much more as her to be the one that had to find out about the infidelity? Of course. That is the most manipulative shit in the entire world, truly. So a few years ago, he did this interview with GQ and he was talking about how they first met. And he said that basically he saw her on his explore page and he was like, wow, who is this? He's like, so I did my research and I DM'd her. I was like, how's she going to call herself icy and she don't talk to me? So I slid into her DMs and I told her, you an icy girl, you need a glacier boy. And they ended up talking back and forth online. They ended up meeting for the first time in Atlanta and that's kind of how they started dating. But when he was recalling that for GQ, I was just like imagining Quavo in his room, just like seeing Sweetie and being like, you know what? She's a little bit of a glacier boy. I would do anything to like see the DMs of celebrities and just what celebrities slide into other celebrities DMs that we don't know about because if they never started dating we would have never known that he slid in there is a lot of slides that would occur I I have to imagine I really that's like a piece of information I am truly truly fascinated by well because what we know of it it's always it always shocks us every time we we I guess the best way I can put it is every time we are met with the boldness of some of these people. Right, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Oh, I love it. Are you kidding? Well, here's the thing. In your normal average dating life, you have to prove like your credibility that one, you're not a catfish. You are who you say you are. You're like normal. You're cool. All of these things. Whereas you, they already have that roster, which in a lot of ways is a downside because people have their misconceptions. But if you are you know, an A-list celebrity going to another A-list celebrity, a million of those boxes are already checked because you don't have to confirm if they are who they say they are. There's so many things that already are answered for them. What do you think, let me think how I want to phrase this. What do you think is the biggest obstacle for a celebrity in terms of having to prove themselves that like comparable to the way that normal people date, like based on what you were just saying? And I just want to clarify your question. Are you saying celebrity to celebrity? Celebrity to celebrity. When you take out all of the other factors that you were just talking about, what do you think is the main roadblock in terms of getting one celebrity to want to date another celebrity? Or like when a celebrity slides in, what is the biggest hesitation in terms of them responding? Well, I mean, I think probably one, where they are, that person is in terms of public perception, because- Like I said, if they don't know the person personally and they only know what's been going on in the news, if you're somebody that's on a really good track, maybe you've heard some things, you don't know how much of it is true, but you don't want to associate with that person based on what you think that could do for your image. Like, I definitely think there's 
almost an internal thing that has to be met of like, not a, not an internal damage control clock, because I feel like that sounds a little bit aggressive for what I'm trying to communicate. But basically like, is this worth it if this were to ever come out based on maybe what they are going through in terms of the public? I kind of agree with you. I think like the biggest obstacle would be reputation. Right. Reputation. I guess that was the word that I was looking for that I couldn't think. And also, you know, this is probably less. And I guess if we're going to like play this, we should clarify our terms because if it's just one little DM back and forth, that's one thing versus like agreeing to go out on a public date in a public setting where there's going to be paparazzi photos. But I think the worst thing that could come from it is thinking like, oh, this person has targeted me because they think I'm a good advance for their career. So if you're not totally matched on the fame level, I think that that can sometimes breed a little bit of potential insecurity, a little bit of questions as to motives. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that in terms of celebrity with celebrity dating, there are so many factors that are not an issue, like feeling like you are being financially supported, feeling like you are dating somebody that like, you know, like, like you were saying, you can't really catfish somebody, you know who they are, they're a public figure. But I do think that with celebrities, that level of earning trust is probably much higher and takes much more than it does for the average person, if I had to guess. Right, because the stakes are higher in a way. Right. And I think right. that most people, I don't think most people have a bad reputation. I just think that most celebrities even the best celebrity has a reputation that you have to be cautious of. You know, the other thing that we didn't even mention is to your average person, you are not aware of their entire dating history. And so you then have to factor in, oh shit, what if I'm friends with that person? What if I'm about to do a movie with that person? And that was their ex. Those are all things that you have to factor in that wouldn't necessarily be top of mind at first glance, because you typically wouldn't have a detailed roster of every person the other person has been with. Whereas I know not everything is out there, but any public person they've dated is out there. So that, you know, you don't know their relationship. And that's when it becomes like a high school cafeteria. We've always said that about how we feel about Hollywood. A hundred percent. I just think dating culture in Hollywood, dating culture among celebrities is just the single most fascinating thing. Well, the thing that isn't spoken about enough is how much of these are setups by managers and agents. And when I say that, it's not because it's a strategic move. Like sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's really not. It's just because, you know, they trust that person and they have a good sense of things. But so much of these are setups by industry people, not by other celebrities. I'm talking specifically when it comes to agents and managers. And those, I think, almost just like from a pure fascination perspective, speak volumes because it almost feels a little bit transactional, kind of like a business arrangement. That's how Brad and Jen got together. Yeah, exactly. I have to say my favorite, unbiasedly, my favorite celebrity getting back together story or getting together story is Justin and Haley. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell it for anybody who doesn't know? Haley was on Fallon and did that trick where she opened the beer bottle with her tooth. And that's when Justin called her after and was like, oh, I saw you on Fallon last night. Like that beer trick was really cool. And that's how they ended up getting back together. Anytime I think about that, I just laugh. Like I imagine so many different people. I like imagine her in that moment. I imagine her dentist in that moment. I imagine the fucking beer company. Like there's so many factors that led up to that moment. And thank God she has coined that trick. She even did it on her um, sit down in the bathroom with Kendall. And her 73 questions Vogue. Yeah, I guess it's like her thing. I mean, listen, if you do that trick once and it lands you Justin Bieber as your husband, like 
I guess you're going to make that your party trick for life. And I don't even think anybody can blame her, although people make fun of her for it all the time. Yeah, I guess. I mean, listen, I guess you can always get a new set of teeth. (laughs) You can't always get a new Justin. If you're her, I guess that is exactly your logic. I guess don't try it at home, though. Seems dangerous. (laughs) I know it seems dangerous because she got Justin out of it, and I've never even attempted it. (laughs) That's how you know that Julie is like really thinking this is fragile territory. And if I thought it was safe to try and it would work, I would have done it. Not even with Justin. (laughs) I just mean in general. (laughs) What did you think about – I know I'm switching gears for a second, but what did you think about Addison Rae Obsessed? Listen. Let me tell you actually how I feel about it. I've been thinking a lot about this, trying to formulate some opinions. Please do. Remember when you were younger and there were all these Disney Channel stars and then all of a sudden they all had songs out and you were like, why does every Disney Channel song star put out music? And then Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, because like they joined Disney Channel to try and be famous in the first place. That's how I feel about Addison putting out music. Everyone gets so confused when they're like, why do all these TikTok stars like always have to put out songs? Why can't they just be on TikTok? They're on TikTok because they want to be as famous as humanly possible. And if go- making music comes along with this, you know what? Power to you. Put out your music. Do whatever you want to do. Because if your ultimate goal is fame, I think that we have watched the trajectory of a lot of people who went into the industry, Kim Kardashian specifically, saying, I just want to be famous. I don't care how I get there. I'm going to use my talents to do it, and I'm going to figure out a way. And I think Addison put out a song saying, I just want to be famous. If this song works, then it works. And if it doesn't, then I just keep doing what I'm going to do. I feel that exact same way. And I think that people often forget that in a lot of these cases, TikTok isn't the end. TikTok is the means to an end. And once they saw success on there, they're going to just put themselves into every single facet that they can. And a lot of people think that it's oversaturation, but clearly it hasn't been too much yet because it's still working. And it's not just with music. It's like same thing with you know podcasting, with fashion design, with even things that people necessarily aren't the most qualified for. If they have the opportunity to do it and they want to get as much exposure as physically possible, even if it's hard for you to put yourself into those shoes, because obviously I can't imagine wanting that, good for them. Absolutely. And we always, always talk about this. The smartest thing that you can do as a public figure is to branch out and as many different things as possible. Obviously, there are some people who are just specifically singers and artists who don't necessarily need to branch out, but you still see that with a lot of people. Justin Bieber is an artist. He makes music. That doesn't mean that he's not going to have a clothing line when that opportunity presents itself to be able to expand to something else. It doesn't mean Rihanna is not going to come out with a makeup line because The best thing you can do for your career and for your brand and for your own name is to put it on as many things as possible, not in an oversaturated way, just in a way that you have your hand in something and it's not all of your eggs in one basket. I just think it's the smartest thing you can do, especially in digital and TikTok. Social media platforms are not going to be around forever. TikTok popped up and everything kind of shifted to TikTok. We don't know what the next thing that's going to pop up is going to be. So if you're somebody and you have this brand and it's associated with one single app, then you should be out there trying to get yourself into many other different areas. So if God forbid that app goes away tomorrow, you're still a person. You're still a figure. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that a lot of people would disagree with that in the sense of, I think oftentimes when you see a certain public figure and they have a hand in something, a lot of times the public reaction be like, what the fuck do they know about X? And you see that happen a lot and it almost feels like stay in your lane. But I just think the concept of staying in your lane is almost becoming a thing of the past because 
the lanes are shifting so much and there's so much in and out and there's so much back and forth and you can do so many more things with so many different platforms that I think that those lines are more blurred than they ever were before. I think the concept of stay in your lane is rapidly disappearing. And I could be wrong, but that's just my sense. No, I totally agree with you. And I think that not staying in your lane or staying in your lane, but also branching off into other lanes is a very strategic move. I'm not saying that you should be a celebrity who oversaturates it in a way where you're just putting your hand in anything. But if you're a celebrity who is able to draw an association between yourself and something that isn't necessarily the main thing that you do, then you should be able to capitalize on that to the fullest extent of it. I completely, completely agree. And I think that Addison is doing a really good job. And the amount of people that you know, are mad at her, don't want to see her succeed, think this is bullshit, that's fine because at the end of the day, it's giving her more views. And I just have to say that, was this the best song I ever heard? No. Did I think that it was a really good debut? And was I? did I find myself kind of singing it a few hours later when I didn't realize I was? Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that who, I'm excited, you know, to see what happens with her. She has this song come out. She has a Netflix movie that comes out this year. She's really doing it. And the goal that she set out to do over the course of one year, she is, I'm sure, far exceeded. And I'm just, I'm, I really am genuinely very happy for her. I am too, 100,000% same. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So the next thing we wanted to touch on is just kind of everything that's going on in the world of David Dobrik. And before we even start, I just want to give a general trigger warning for sexual assault and rape. So I'm sure you guys have kind of seen over the last few weeks, a lot of different things have been coming out kind of in bits and pieces. I think it's a little bit disjointed in the way that there's so many different angles of this. And last week on Monday, we were thinking, okay, should we do the full breakdown? And we kind of decided it's all happening live. Let's wait a week, which thank God we did because right after our episode came out, first, the Business Insider article dropped titled, a woman featured on YouTube star David Dobrik's channel says she was raped by a Vlog Squad member in 2018, the night they filmed a video about group sex. That was obviously about Dom. Also after that, David's apology video came out. So we were really glad that we didn't you know, put out the podcast and then 12 hours later, all this new information came out. And if you guys remember a few months ago with the Army Hammer situation, when that was starting to unravel, we came on here and we said, you know, of course, our general sentiment, as always, is we believe women. However, this is happening so fast and we don't want to put something out and then have more pieces come out. Last night in the middle of the night, 
Dispo, David announced that he was stepping back. More sponsorships have been announced even this morning. And so the way that we feel the most comfortable doing this is we want to wait one more week, wait till everything comes out so we can actually do a comprehensive breakdown because it's really stressful um, when you put out a podcast on a subject that's as highly charged and as intense as this one. And then you have people attacking you saying that you didn't put in the information, but the information just wasn't available to you when you were doing the podcast. It's terrifying. It gives me a lot of anxiety. It's the reason that we waited with Army, which I'm so glad that we did. And we both just talked about it and we would feel more comfortable waiting to talk about this next week. When more things happen, we can do a really clear timeline because right now we only have half of the information. Again, as always, of course we believe the women. Of course, I mean, if you ever watched any videos with Dom, not that he needed to act like this to believe them, we would have believed them anyway, but this guy's a scumbag. It's very, very clear. And you know, I just think so many things are happening that we want to really do this in a way that is clear. It's something that we can be proud of because I saw the same thing happen to Rhea and Fran from Chicks in the Office that um, Rhea posted about it. Like they did a whole segment and then Jeff went on Frenemies and that changed everything. And so I can't, I think both of us, I mean, I definitely, between the two of us, I think my anxiety about this particular thing is hits harder, but I know that for both of us, we feel this way. Like it's so stressful when you put out something that is so serious as this and you want to really communicate it in a light that you're proud of and that you feel does the victims justice. And then people are fucking coming at you because you didn't put things in. We couldn't put those things in because they didn't come out when we recorded the podcast. So just want to make that clear. We will do a full breakdown next week with everything. Right now, we're still in the process of gathering information. The Business Insider article is very lengthy and has a lot in there. But there's also other parts that have nothing to even do with that. And so we will talk about it next week. But I just want to make it very clear. I know some people are like, you guys love David. Of course, that's why you're not talking about it. Like, obviously, that's not the case. Like, our personal feelings for somebody's content that we had in the past are completely separate from an allegation that we take very seriously. And I think we've continued to prove that that's how we operate. So of course we will talk about it, but um, I just think we need to wait a few more days, more stuff comes out and then we can feel confident doing a full breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add for that, Jewel? Um, No, I just think that when you have a situation like this, where there are so many people involved, I think it's unusual uh, when you're looking at something like this and you're examining something like this, where there would be so, so many different characters and so many different moving parts. So it is really difficult to just sit down and break it down without truly getting into every single piece of the puzzle, which is difficult to do when you don't have all of the information. So I agree. I think we just need to give it a little bit of time. But of course, this is something that we take extremely, extremely seriously. And I agree with Rhea in her tweet about that, you know, she didn't realize Jeff's frenemies segment because something like that, which was just a 52 minute video, roughly changes everything you have. There's so much content that you have to watch and I don't feel comfortable just reading an article about it. I want to be able to watch it for myself. So we'll be back next week and, um, we'll do all of that then. But as always, like I said, general sentiment, as always, we believe women. Yeah. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Moving on to the Kardashian recap, there's like randomly good stuff today. I'm so excited. Yeah. You want to talk about Chris first? I would love to. Okay. So Chris was on Australia's The Kyle and Jackie O Show, and she spoke about Kim and Kanye's divorce kind of for the first time. She says, quote, I think it's always going to be hard anytime, you know, there's a lot of kids. The good thing about our family is that we are there for each other and supportive and love each other very, very much. So all I want is for those two kids to be happy. And I want the kids to be happy. That's the goal. I think we all want that for our families, just to be able to have the love and appreciation of one another and that everyone's okay. And they then asked if we would be seeing any of Kim and Connie's divorce in this season of Keeping Up. And she said, quote, you might. And she then says, I don't know what they've decided on in the finale because we haven't even seen the first show yet. I'm sure they're putting some final touches, but I think it's just a private time for them. Kim wanted to deal with this her own family in her own time. So I think that's going to be for her to work through and process. When she feels like it, I'm sure she'll say what she needs to say. I'm shocked that Chris was the first one to speak on this, actually. She was, right? I mean, I can't recall anything else that has happened like this. No, I mean, this was really the first official confirmation. Yeah, I mean, again, was her response pretty bland? Yes, but it wasn't really about that. It was more so the fact that she was even kind of acknowledging it because there hasn't really been an acknowledgement at all. I do – this is something I consistently wonder is when Kim is going to, and I wonder if Chris speaking out about it and being the first one kind of made it easier for Kim to do it. Like it's maybe eased her into it. She doesn't have to put out such an official statement. She can kind of talk about it from a feelings perspective instead of an explanation perspective. Or if that's all we're going to get, it's going to be Chris kind of teeing it up a little, and maybe we'll see how it plays out on the show. I'm not really sure. I mean – what I was about to say was I would do anything to watch all of the episodes right now to see, but I take that back because I love pacing it out. However, when we got that little glimpse in last week's preview of just seeing Kim on that hammock or whatever she was sitting on and they're kind of talking about it, I could have watched an entire episode of just that. Me too. I mean, it sucks because she's clearly very upset, but I, for the interest level in me, could have watched an entire episode of that. An entire episode of the family kind of sitting around and hypothesizing about what Kim is going through. Well, yeah, because it's the kind of thing where in general, like obviously all of this stuff to the public is private, right? And Kim probably more than anyone when it comes to this relationship stuff with Connie is the most private. That being said, I think also within the family, it's the most private because it's different than like a Scott situation. So I just, I, I mean, I have a, I have 
literally a million questions. And yeah, when I say that I want to watch, of course, I'm not happy she's going through pain, but she'd be going through it anyway. It's not like the show is bringing that on. So if they're just choosing to document it, that that's her choice. And I, of course, I'm going to witness it. Oh, of course. Also, it is a sticky situation in terms of her divorce, just because obviously when you're dealing with things that happen just within the family and they're so willing to share, it's a completely different story versus Kanye, who's been really open about not really wanting to be on the show a ton. And you're also dealing with an immense amount of mental health issues here. And that has to be handled really sensitively, not just to the public, but that's her, the father of her children. And she obviously isn't going to want to do anything that's going to portray him and his struggles negatively. So it's really hard to kind of balance those two things between wanting to share your own story, wanting to protect your kids, wanting to protect the father of your kids. It's a difficult thing to navigate. So I I would say if we don't get as much as we were expecting, I won't be overly surprised. No, not at all. My expectations are very, very low. And I get it. If she decided that this was the one thing that was just like too private, I would totally understand. I think we'll get at least at the very least how she's feeling emotionally and not in a way that puts Connie in a negative light. Just like, here's how it feels to get divorced when I never thought that that was going to be a possibility for me kind of vibe. Right. Exactly. Let's talk about this whole Kylie Jenner GoFundMe situation, shall we? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. So for anybody who is unaware what's going on, Samuel Rauda, who is a makeup artist in LA, he's most probably known for his handle at Makeup by Samuel. And in terms of the Kardashian community, I personally know him because he does Stas' makeup a lot. He was in this terrible accident this last weekend, and he's very close friends with Ariel, who's Kylie's makeup artist. And so Kylie had posted a photo of him with a caption on her story, May God watch over you and protect you at Makeup by Samuel. Everyone take a moment to say a prayer for Sam who got into an accident this past weekend and swipe up to visit his family's GoFundMe. And when you swipe up, you see that the goal for the medical bills was $60,000. So immediately, Twitter was kind of sent into a frenzy of people saying, you know, why is Kylie Jenner, who's a billionaire, asking for her fans and followers to help support this goal of $60,000 that is basically like pocket change to her? I will say from what I saw on Twitter, a lot of people thought that this was her direct makeup artist and friend Ariel, which it's not. It's more so an acquaintance. But anyway, that was the initial reaction. I'm sure you all saw that. A little bit after that, TMZ came out with an article that says, quote, we're told there's a misconception about the 60K figure everyone's quoting. The original target amount for this GoFundMe when it first launched was just $10,000. And our sources say Kylie's $5,000 donation put it over the top, as it was already at $6,000 at the time. Since then, the target amount has ballooned, likely because of the attention Kylie brought it by posting the link on her Instagram story. Then, I mean, just within the last hour, Kylie made a story and said, I feel it's important for me to clear up this false narrative that I've asked fans for money and I'm not paying for my makeup artist medical bills. Sam isn't my makeup artist, and unfortunately, we don't have a personal relationship anymore, but I've worked with him a few years ago and think he's the sweetest. I saw my current makeup artist and friend, Ariel, posted about Sam's accident and his family's GoFundMe, and I called Ariel immediately to see what happened to Sam. After learning in more detail about the accident, it compelled me to visit his GoFundMe, which was set at $10,000. They had already raised $6,000, so I put in five dollars to reach their original goal and thought I'd post it on my stories to gain more awareness if anyone also felt compelled to share or donate. I don't know how all this got so twisted, but his family has reached out through Ariel and are very appreciative of all the donations, prayers, and love towards Sam. So that was kind of a full circle thing because I don't think, one, anybody knew about the TMZ thing and then didn't even think that Kylie would speak on it. So the case has kind of been closed on that, I guess you could say. Yeah, and thank God for that because obviously narratives get so messy like that and I could understand completely how the internet ran with that one. So 
the explanation being put forth definitely needed to clear things up and did clear things up. Yeah, for sure. When you first saw it, you were a little bit confused, not because, you know, everybody can spend or give their money away in whatever way they want. I would never feel that I should dictate how somebody else spends it. However, at first, at first glance, when you see it's $60,000, you're confused why somebody like Kylie would be putting that publicly and not doing a more behind the scenes thing. Of course, once all the moving pieces are figured out, it makes a lot more sense. And I would imagine, honestly, net net, even if it came across in a little bit of a tone deaf way originally without having all the pieces, I would imagine that his family is overwhelmingly grateful for just the support in general. Yeah, absolutely. I would assume so too. Yeah. I would be, I just want to make it clear that I would be lying if I said in the beginning before I knew what was going on at first glance, even before I saw the internet reaction, if I wasn't a little like confused. Yeah, of course, which is totally understandable. It just definitely, again, was a story that needed to be cleared up because the original way it was portrayed was confusing, to say the very least. Yeah, it made it look like she donated 5000 out of a $60,000 goal and was asking the public to help with the other 55000 That's what it seemed like. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Jen Atkin becoming a mom is, when I tell you, like, my excitement about this was more than so many celebrities. Like I, I fucking flipped when I saw this Instagram. I know me too. I am just, I'm so happy for both of them. I can't even put it into words. No. I mean, also because we had no idea. Right. For anybody who didn't see Jen Atkin and her husband, Mike Rosenthal announced that their baby was born on March 5th via surrogate. And I think the fact that nobody had any idea that they were going to have a baby contributed to the already existing excitement that just and happiness for them in general. Like it was the shock as the contributing factor. There is nothing I love more than a surprise celebrity baby. And this was not only a surprise, this was a shock. Yeah. I'm I'm just so excited for them. Like I obviously we don't know them personally. We had Jen on the pod. I just think we've been following them for so long and they give us such an intimate look at their life and and who they are. Plus we've seen them with Chrissy's kids over the years, just being so sweet. Obviously, every you know picture Chrissy posts is just like Uncle Mike. So to see them become parents, I just think is really exciting and really just I'm just so happy for them. And and that baby is a very lucky baby. I cannot stop thinking about like the next vacation that they're going to go on with Chrissy and John because every time they go, you know, like you said, they're kind of playing aunt and uncle to Luna and Miles. And so now they're going to have their own baby that they're going to bring. And it just, it's going to be adorable. And I'm just so over the moon for them. Yeah, me too. They also, the fact that she does everything like via, you know, just donations, which there's nothing wrong with receiving gifts, of course, but she's so intentional in the way that she operates when it comes to things like that. And it's like, you can tell it's really genuine. Yeah, Steph Shop is the same way too. I just appreciate it so much about both of them. Yeah. Anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it for today, kid. <laughs> I think so too. Uh, I love you and we love you guys. And we'll be back on Thursday night for Kardashian bonus show. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo. And we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. 
Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.